everyone, and welcome to the 31st episode of Slime Time, the official DQ Dragon Scent podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Liam Land. So I was uh, I was watching this nature show on uh, on YouTube with my three year old son Alex recently, and it featured the platypus. And uh, as soon as my son saw it, he says to me, "That's like the platypunk." And I've never I've never been more prouder of him. Well, I mean, he's right. That animal totally rips off Dragon Quest. <laughs> but from his perspective and like what he knows of the world, that's that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't believe it took us thirty one episodes to get to a game that's this dear to my heart, Dragon Quest Nine. Uh, this is the game that got me to actually go meet Dragon Quest fans in person. Hey, me too. That's right, because uh, you and I met in person at uh, Nintendo World, uh, which is now Nintendo New York, for um, a Dragon Quest Nine local co-op multiplayer night when I was vacationing there. Gosh, it was like five or six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, I remember that. Um, we got we got together for a group photo, and I, I was able to uh, to organize a bunch of the regulars to show up. Um, that's cool. Yeah, we, we, you got to meet the whole crew, um, and then I, I helped you unlock uh, your DLC at Starbucks downstairs in Rockefeller Plaza. Oh, and we also showed up in the same uh, Dragon Quest Eight shirt. Ah, you're right. Completely unplanned. And I remember that Starbucks because it was the only place that uh, we could plug in your old laptop. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Had to find somewhere with a plug like, hey, look, there's a plug under the seat in Starbucks. My ancient computer. That's the only thing that'll work with the NDS adapter plus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I cannot say enough about how versatile this game is um, with what you can do with the game, with the local co-op, the grottos, the legacy bosses, the RNG manipulation, and even the pain points of unsupported lock content that got me to research how to MacGyver my way in to access it. Um, there's way too much to cover in one podcast, so we're likely going to split this up into parts to cover different topics like local co-op, um, multiplayer, and, and such. Um, for part one, we're going to be covering the story. Uh, so now, this is one of those games that I can go on and on and on, with, but when, when somebody accidentally mentions it on our previous podcast, I'm just like, nerd, you, have you, heard, you ever heard of the term nerdjacking? Where like I've someone just... i never heard that, no. Nerdjacking is like when you when you hijack conversation with something really nerdy, and you just kind of go out, and the, the person just this, the person listening is just completely not interested, but you're just nerdjacking the conversation with you, with what you want to talk about and what and what makes you exciting. So that is me on any previous podcast where somebody mentions Dragon Quest Nine, and I just go off for like a ten minute rant. So I'm <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna be. I'm very excited to talk with our guest today about it, but I'm gonna try not to do that. If you if you want to pull me back and say Liam, Liam, you're nerdjacking. I, I completely get it. <laughs> I mean. The point of this episode is for you to nerdjack the whole thing with Dragon Quest Nine, so I'm sure we'll be okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Joining us tonight, we have a regular from the Dragon's Den Discord. In fact, it's uh, the number two person there. Please welcome Blue Star, a regular from our SideQuest podcasts, uh, now making her Slime Time Prime debut. Welcome, Blue Star, to the party. Thank you for having me, Platy. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to see how this works out. Yeah, welcome, Blue Star. I've listened to you on a number of the SideQuest podcasts, starting with the, uh, the Nino Kuni episode. It's a pleasure to have you join us on Slime Time Prime. Yes, she's avoided the interview portion of our podcast so far. But now it's time to put her a little bit in the spotlight. 
let's get to know our guest. So, Blue Star, how did you come up with your username? So, it's actually a username that I've used since I was about 12 or so. Uh, it was actually my favorite character from my favorite book series as a kid. Um, so that's where Blue Star comes from. Blue is also my favorite color. Everything I own is blue to the point where it's uh, kind of scary. So it, it just kind of stuck over the years. <laughs> so how, how did you originally get into the Dragon Quest series? So I want to say when I was probably about 11, uh, we got a PlayStation 2 as a hand-me-down from my uncle. And we went to GameStop and just sort of, you know, raided the bargain bin there. And Dragon Quest Eight was one of the games that was in there. And it was $8. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> fitting. To this, to this day, we still joke that it is the best $8 that we've ever spent. Uh, <laughs> Who sells so, back Dragon Quest Eight though? <laughs> that's a good question, but... Final uh, Fantasy XII fans. It actually did have the demo in it, so... Oh, Oh, there you it go. Like that's that's it. Thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it took me a couple of years to actually get into the game. There were a couple of failed attempts uh, of actually playing the RPG because, you know, I was I was like 10 um, and, you know, it, it was my very first RPG ever. So I think the first time I played it, I completely skipped Angelo in Simpleton and walked straight off to Ascantha and finished Ascantha and was like, where do I go now? Uh, <laughs> but you know, over over the years, uh, it's to this day still my favorite game, and I absolutely love the series, and I've played just about everything that's been released in the U.S. other than maybe Dragon Quest Monsters 1 and 2. Why? Wow, uh, you haven't played the I'm, Monsters I'm, games? I'm, I haven't. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually haven't played the Monsters games all that much until about a year ago. Um, I finally sat down and said I'm going to actually... In, after several attempts at DQ Monsters 1, uh, I'm going to actually play through it. And I did, I beat it last January, and just recently uh, I'm, I'm about to finish up um, Tara's adventure at DQ Monsters 2. Uh, I'm really, I'm actually really enjoying the second one a lot more than I did the first. So I highly recommend that one. It's got a similar kind of early style grotto system that mm -hmm. is uh, uh, like a, a, instead of maps, it's keys. Um, and uh, they unlock endless bonus dungeons very similarly to uh, the way that Dragon Quest IX works. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, it's uh, the Dragon Quest Monsters games are on my list to try to play this year. Uh, so that's that's kind of my my goal. Although I'll have to learn how emulators work or something because I don't think I actually own any of the Game Boy systems that the games were originally on. So yeah, fair enough. I have all of that stuff at home, but I don't have it in Japan. So I'm uh, um, I'm playing on my phone. Always good to emulate there. I I remember that was one of the first things I think right when I got like my first smartphone, and I realized you could emulate stuff on smartphones. I remember playing through Dragon Quest Monsters 1, mainly just between dog walks in the morning and the evening. Yeah. You know, 20, 20 minutes at a time here, 20 minutes there. And next thing you know, a month later, I was like, oh, I beat it. <laughs> it's, it's really convenient to do it that way. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you're you're always going to have that phone on it. I'm just surprised that Nintendo never really kind of developed their own version of a paid emulator on a phone for all yeah. these games. Yeah. I just recently also, like a couple days ago, beat Dragon Quest V on mobile. Uh, and it's just so convenient to just have it with you all the time. Yeah. That's all those licensing agreements. 
No, we, we, I think we talked about this, but did you, did you go with Bianca or Nira? Bianca. I have only ever convinced myself to choose Nira once, um, and it was a good decision, but it's, it's, it's so hard to actually commit to that. <laughs> I love both of them, but the childhood friend romance just gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> every time we bring that up, though, Pendy is always like, wait a minute, you hung out with her once. You went ghost hunting <laughs> one time. Remember she was, my, o- we she was my only friend, though. <laughs> no, Barongo. <laughs> you got the little guy. <laughs> or Percy. <laughs> Percy. Well, you know, they didn't really want to give that as a marriage option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great that they wrote in, like, a joke about Miss uh, Senor Briscoletti. <laughs> that is good. That is good. <laughs> All right, Blue, what are your... Um, what are your favorite games in the mainline series? Um, what are your favorite spinoff games? Uh, so I've already mentioned Dragon Quest VIII. Uh, still my favorite game of all time to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. Second on that list in the mainline series, uh, it, it's hard to actually rank them, but I'd have to say 6, 9, and 11 are that next tier. Um, as far as spinoffs go... Uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 is an absolutely impeccable game. Hmm. Um, (laughs) It's absolutely beautiful, and the writing is spectacular, and I love all the characters, and I just, it's just such a fun game. Um, Heroes 2 is also a very, very good game, if for no other reason than how much it improves upon what it did in Heroes 1. Uh, so the style of the game is fun. Anything in a Dragon Quest wrapper almost immediately catches my attention. Um, but just with the class system and everything that all the quality of life uh, updates that they made in Heroes 2, it's a it's a very, very solid game. Completely agree. I, I, yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do as much in that game, but I think it's mainly because I couldn't get the uh, in the first game. I got the cheap. There's the cheap ways to grind levels and cheap with the rain of pain and cheap ways to get (laughs) mini medals. So like that game, because I could grind levels so easily, I think I did more. But I have like the the timer on both of those games is over 100 hours. So no, I I can definitely see objectively two is better. Someday I hope to actually get all the weapons in my uh, encyclopedia in that game. But oh gosh, that is so many hours that... Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna take a hot second. <laughs> yeah, definitely. just take some vacation time and just plow through it in like two weeks. <laughs> hey, people look, ask a... you where you went on vacation. <laughs> hey, look, I'm a college student. I don't get vacation. <laughs> well, summertime. <laughs> um, so, do you have any favorite characters or monsters? Princess Medea is my favorite character in the franchise. Um, in, in horse, horse form or, or human form? Human form. But, oh. like, <laughs> she's also a cute horse. So, uh, yeah. Um, Veronica is also very, very far up there in characters just for how funny she is and how, you know, just enjoyable her character is and how serious she can be at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters from Eleven, too. Um, yeah, how about Monsters. You said your favorite color is blue. Is the slime your favorite monster? <laughs> you know, you can never go wrong with a slime, but I'd have to say a great saber cub is up there for me because I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for, you know, little cats and dogs. And just just look at his face. He's so cute. Yeah, that's the that's the big one, right? Or the little one? Or the, the little great, one. 
The Saber Cup. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I thought you meant the one that you get to ride in Dragon Quest Eight. Okay, he's also very, very cool, but he's not as cute. <laughs> All right, so last question. Then we'll get on to our main event tonight. But what are some of your favorite mechanics in DQ games? What do you look forward to in uh, when you're playing Dragon Quest games, like monster collecting, um, job classes, casinos, all those reoccurring things what do, what do you really like so alchemy would probably have to be my favorite um i do really I, I mean you know it's it's kind of a slog going to collect all the materials to make all the things for all the recipes but i find it therapeutic to just you know make a list hey these are the things i need to go collect and just go collect them and then make some shiny new stuff uh, I also really like overworld exploration. So Dragon Quest Eight with the hidden chests that you could find dotted around the world. Um, Dragon Quest Nine with all of the different sparkly spawn spots for different uh, materials, and Dragon Quest Eleven with you know similar uh, similar things to both of those effects. I I just think it's really fun to explore the world that the creators have you know made for us. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. I I used to love like just turning around a corner and uh, or like just going around a, a hill in Dragon Quest Eight, and there's a, a hidden chest there. <laughs> and then of I... course if it's locked. <laughs> 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 then you gotta then you gotta remember it or make a point to uh, to come back, look at the map, make sure you come back when you got that key. I oh man, I might I had have most of those chest locations memorized. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I had the strategy guide. I was like going point A to point B. Oh, yeah. But, I think I had yeah, that too. Was that the Brady guide or? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it, the map that folded out was gigantic and it had all those chest locations and all the, in, what is it, the infamous monster locations and everything. Oh, those are great. So. You see, you actually see them on the map and you know they're uh -huh. important. Yeah, I want to say that map's two-sided and one side is mainly like all the towns and all the treasure chests and everything. And the other side has all the infamous monsters. But. I never had the physical guide, unfortunately, but I do remember seeing those on the den. I used those mm -hmm. for a lot of playthroughs of Dragon Quest Eight because I, I totally, I probably play it almost yearly. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how much I love this silly game. Uh, but you know, you you do it enough times, and you just sort of remember where things are. Ah, <laughs> uh, so true. But we're not here to talk Dragon Quest Eight tonight. We have gathered here this evening to talk Dragon Quest IX. So uh, normally I give you a 10-second plot synopsis, uh, but Liam has written one out that might take me about 20 seconds to read. So we'll, we'll go a little bit longer tonight on the plot synopsis. And I, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping this spoiler-free. This is very. Uh, this might be something you'd read on the back of the box. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> or, or, or like you know the first page of the instruction manual or something like that you know uh, enough to whet your appetite to want to play this so uh dragon quest 9 came out on the ds in what 2008 2009 somewhere in, Japan? Around, uh, in the united states i want to say it was summer 2008 for us uh no i think it was later than that i thought it was like 2010 ish or nine. Oh no 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 uh, yeah, I know yeah, exactly. July, July. It was July 11th, 2010 in North America. It was July really? 11th, 2009 in Japan. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, I believe at this point, um, Dragon Quest 4 and 5 for DS had been released because I was still playing through 5 at the time that this uh, released. Correct, correct. All right, so this was a DS release. 
um, you play as a Celestian, which is basically um, an angelic being. He's got the halo and everything. Um, these people are invisible to humans. The Celestrians, you know, they live up, up, up in the observatory, that is, which is basically a big city in the sky. And they watch over the humans and what they call the protectorate on the ground. Um, all the Celestians, who, again, they're invisible to humans, they interact with them to help them solve their kind of everyday problems. And once solved, the happy humans unknowingly generate what's known as benevolence. It's a spiritual manifestation of positive energy. The Celestrians then collect this benevolence as a special item and offer it up to the Yggdrasil tree at the observatory. Um, you're being you're, you're starting to be trained as like the uh, the resident Celestrian for the town of Angel Falls. And you've got this mentor, uh, Aquila, who is helping to train you. The Yggdrasil tree is starting to bloom. It's growing fruit called figs. And then suddenly observatory gets attacked by this massive energy blast coming from somewhere down below. Uh, the attack scatters figs down to the protectorate and the Celestrian's fi flying train, the Starlight Express, also gets broken into pieces, goes plummeting to the ground. And finally, your, your character, you know, this angelic being, falls from the observatory down to, you know, the town Angel Falls. <laughs> <laughs> one of many pun, puns that we'll talk pun about. Pun number later. one. <laughs> and this all pretty much happens uh, spectacularly in this anime cutscene that covers both screens of the DS simultaneously. And as you wake up in Angel Falls, you are stripped of some of your celestial celestrian powers. Um, your wings are gone. Your halo's gone too, I believe, right? Yep. And you are visible to humans and you can no longer see Benevolence. So you get uh, joined by this little fairy-like char character named Stella, best character in the game, and she is tasked <laughs> to both recover the figs, repower the Starlight Express, and uncover the mystery of who attacked the observatory and why. Okay, well done. Don't except, it's, except it's uh, it's Starflight Express, I think. Darn it! I said Starlight, yeah. didn't I? No, I just wanted yeah. to point that out so that we don't get angry letters later. <laughs> We've only received one angry letter. <laughs> really? What? You remember that? Uh, no, I don't. We got an angry email. It was like a five-paragraph essay. I don't know if he's out there listening, but it was about um, my avatar. How dare how you? I changed the hats. <laughs> oh, about... oh, I do remember that. Yeah, you changed the hats, and oh, for St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day, and you had Day. like an yep. anti-St. Patrick's Day rant. It, it was a long anti-St. Patrick's Day rant. Mm. So I'm I'm just going to I think he was just being funny. I think uh, I'm just going to say thank you for for entertaining all of us. I was going to say, uh, it, you know, if you're still listening to us, don't worry. And about let's see, this is middle of January, you know, after the middle of February, it might be time to bring out the uh, hats again. So hope you enjoy <laughs> that. Right. All right. So let's let's talk about the good, the bad and the ugly on this game. Uh, Blue Star, do you want to talk? Uh, what's the first? couple of good things that you that you uh wanted to chat about yeah sure so uh one of the things that i mentioned earlier was one of my favorite uh game mechanics in the game was alchemy and dragon quest 9 did a lot of things to improve on the system that dragon quest 8 put into into place 
so, you know, it, it took the mechanic, expanded on it, and improved it. Everything was instant. There wasn't any running around to complete recipes, which I personally didn't have too big of a problem with, but I know it was kind of a gripe for a lot of people, and having stuff instantly, you know, it's, it's exciting. Um, mm-hmm. You're also able to put more things into the alchemy pot in order to create recipes so you can have nine of one thing and seven of another thing and three of a third thing instead of just three distinct items as in dragon quest eight um yeah that makes sense i i I do remember too that there's like a lot of guesswork in eight's alchemy as well isn't it like you know something iron and then you have to kind of guess what that is yes Um, that was something that was page 319 in the strategy guide Yeah. <laughs> Telling you all guessing, this exploration and guessing yeah. none of that. Guessing right. was half the fun. Uh but just <laughs> the amount of things that you could create through Dragon Quest Nine in through through Alchemy in Dragon Quest Nine was just a lot of fun and like I said, I really like collecting things and going through everything and especially, you know, with the thief class, it's really easy to get items from enemies. Um and it's it, it's just it's just fun to sort of fill out those books and all of those uh, recipes to make all of them. Definitely. And I, I think um, eight actually may have uh, I think they did this starting with the mobile version. Um, they improved on the alchemy speed. So it's not yes. yeah, I think it's more in, instantaneous in, in that in the 3DS mm-hmm. version. as yes, well. Yes, that is that is correct. Even the original version of eight had an upgrade that you could get for beating one of the post game uh, bosses that upgraded mm-hmm. your alchemy pot to instant, but they ended up, you know, swapping that out for an extra bonus dungeon in the 3DS version. So, oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I just one I of the uh, rewards from the uh, Drag- Dragovian trials. Oh, gotcha. Nice of them and- to give you that at the end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Lou, you brought up a good point. I never had a problem in the original PS2, like just putting stuff in the alchemy pot and going out and exploring and everything, but. You know, once you had that option, I was spoiled. I could never, I don't think I could go back to that again. So, it, it, yeah, once I played it on mobile, I was like, oh, geez, I'm not rocking out with the PS2 version ever again. And then when the 3DS came out, thank God it was, they left that there. So, and then, of course, with 9, thank goodness from there and 11 and everything, it's stayed that way, instantaneous. It's also really fun because the alchemy pot in this game has a personality of his own. He's a character <laughs> called Crackpot. That's right. That's right. Yep. He's got a cute little face and angel wings and a halo. Uh, and he only talks to the main hero because they're the Celestrian. Everyone else mm-hmm. is just like, oh, it's a cool looking pot. Let's leave it on the desk here. And then <laughs> you come in and just chat away with this pot. And nobody questions it, I guess. <laughs> I feel like there's quite- a lot of that, though, in the game. <laughs> Yeah, they they only question it if you zoom inside the quester's rest and you hit the ceiling and then like one of the characters like looks at you and there's like yeah you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, if you try to use an use a uh, chimera wing or zoom inside the quester's rest, I think one of the guys like turns and I f- he says something. He's not exactly making fun of you. I think he's just telling you not to do that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Crackpot, he's great. If you if you go and talk to him and he's like, hey, hey, do you want to do alchemy? And you say no, then he then he says he's like, oh, you must be inquiring about my health. And he tells you or something. Like, I'm in tip top shape. <laughs> A pot I may be, but I am in no way potty, I believe is what he says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so you also enjoyed the soundtrack? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, so as far, obviously orchestral soundtracks are better than MIDI soundtracks, but Dragon mm-hmm. Quest Nine did a really good job with uh, with its different tracks. The Observatory theme is probably one of my favorite tracks in the entire franchise. Yeah, um, I'd say the same thing, yeah. Definitely. And it's sad that, you know, you can't just just by uh, function of the story, you just you can't really explore that too often to actually hear that soundtrack. So but even, um, even just you're talking about later in the story when you can't make it back. Yeah. to the other... Yeah, I was thinking that, too. But but at the same time, if you hop into somebody else's multiplayer and they're early on in the game, you get to hear it again. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so just I keep think... a second copy early on <laughs> don't get too far <laughs> i think there's i think there's also a room in the back of the starflight express that plays the theme but is that right it's, it's like an empty room and there's oh yeah i know what you're there. Talking so about. you just it... you you'd just go there and stand and listen to the music and oh that's cool yeah they're, they're... Would be like what is they what, what is she doing uh but <laughs> <laughs> there there is a function to that back that um caboose room uh, in one of the post-game quests, if I remember right. correctly, but it only but I... happens the one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember that about the soundtrack. That's pretty cool. The, about that that particular track. It's going to be really awkward if I misremembered that at this point. Uh, but <laughs> oh, that's all good. <laughs> I misremembered that Dragon Quest Nine actually had music. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah. You know, there is a, there, at a certain point I did turn it off because uh, I was doing so many grottos, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to burn out on the um, Dragon Quest Three dungeon theme because there's only one theme for all grottos, and it's uh, it's such a good theme. And I didn't. I knew I was going to be doing so many grottos. I didn't want to just burn out on on that one track. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Uh, I definitely spent way too, and I played Dragon Quest Nine before Dragon Quest Three, so I actually didn't know it was the Dragon Quest Three dungeon theme at that point. But mm. I definitely heard that track a lot. <laughs> but what, another great thing about the music you mentioned the soundtrack is that they took the final boss themes for every legacy boss and they matched them up at this game. So anytime you fight dragon you fight dragon lord you're hearing the end so- end song from the final boss song from dragon quest 1 you know you 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 fight uh um necrosaro you're hearing that one you know it's a, it's just amazing that they were able to line these up nice all right what we'll come back to get some other good things from blue star in a bit liam why don't you give a couple of your positives um sure uh well i, I thought that the character building and classes uh, akin to dragon quest 3 were great um, it learns from a lot of the mistakes they made in Dragon Quest six VI and seven, and puts restrictions that tie certain spells and abilities to the class. Now, at first, that's kind of jarring because you want those like godlike characters that know every spell and everything. But if you think about the way that the multiplayer would be, every character would be the same. Um, you know, so instead of having the same godlike characters that can learn every ability and spells, you can better define the character classes and mix and match your party. Um, again, particularly important to define the job of each individual in a local co-op multiplayer uh, for ne- for mu- multiplayer battles. So you have one priest, you have uh, one or two gladiators, you have a paladin, um, stuff like that. Everyone has a job uh, to do, um, if, and it makes it, it just makes it really interesting. If I recall correctly, it's only the spells that are locked to certain classes. I think everything else, because I remember having like 
45 pages of abilities or something crazy like yeah, that to go right, through. Right. But the spells are definitely locked to your specific class. Yeah, and the, the abilities that are that are locked would be locked to um, depending on like the weapon or if you have a shield or not or if you ha if you're omnivocational in something. Right. Um, yeah. And there there are also some abilities that you can gain through holding a specific scroll in your inventory. And yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. I love those. Like the the crit blocking shield scroll or the uh, the gritty ditty scroll, which like uh, half oomps your entire party. I uh, remember being upset that I didn't have more inventory space to hold more scrolls. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah, you have to pick and choose. <laughs> there's that counteracting um this uh this game was actually also the uh inspiration for street pass so dragon quest 9's tag mode mechanic uh where uh the um, players can ping each other and share in-game data and characters um it's what inspired 3ds's street pass um if you like tagging and getting data from other 3ds players you can thank dragon quest for that feature because nintendo producer uh hideki kono actually admitted that it was part of his inspiration to add street pass street pass functionality to the 3ds yeah I've, I've mentioned that to a lot of people and you know not everyone's a gigantic dragon quest 9 fan so uh just mentioning that that's always that always elicits like whoa really yeah and we'll link to the uh the skill silicon era um uh article about that um just so that uh you know we you can have that to to read as well because um, it is an interesting little fact that Dragon Quest Nine and the Dragon Quest series in general is often a lot more important than people give it credit credit for in terms of inspiration for other series. Mm -hmm. All right, um, I'll, I'll go. Oh, did you want to say more about that? No, I was just going to say, how, how about you, Platy? What do you think in, in terms of the good for this? All right, I'm going to go in reverse order from what I wrote on the uh, <laughs> in our little planning document. I'm going to start <laughs> with the puns. I, oh, I, yeah. I gotta go with the puns. <laughs> you know, Everyone's I, favorite. I, yeah. Well, I still feel like Dragon Quest fans are 50-50 on the whole pun thing. But I, I'm all in. I am all for everything being a pun. And probably DQ9 was the pinnacle of that. I think they pulled back in Dragon Quest 11, 11 a little bit. Um, you know, still tons of monster names that were puns. But um, I, I posted this on Twitter. Um, from the Slime Time account, I was asking about all the puns in the game, and Gratis um, or is it Greatest? Greatest? Sure. I don't know. Greatest, Gratis. Um, I should have asked him that ahead of time. <laughs> he of nineteen thousand, seventeen thousand, something like that. Hours in Dragon Quest Nine, he runs his own uh, Dragon Quest Nine Discord that is insane in the amount of detail that they've got there and everything about the game. Um, he yeah, was. And, and let, let me just point out that's that's. 17,000, not 1,700. He's got multiple playthroughs, multiple um, that all add up to that amount of time. Yeah, he was, uh, I think, through the year on the den and in his Discord, he was sharing progress on like his latest file. And it was just like 500 hours, 700 hours, 800 hours. And like, this is just the 2020 run. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> 17,000 um, hours is about, is, is just shy of two full years of playing Dragon Quest Nine. <laughs> I hear he I, I likes went, the game. Yeah, I went back Maybe and did just the math, a little. and it was something like three hours a day every day since it's come out, something like that. So, <laughs> but um, he mentioned that he's like, you know, basically almost every town names a pun, and that was great. You know, starting from uh, Angel Falls when you're this celestial being falling into the uh, 
area. So tons of town names. Um, a couple of my favorites were uh, Swine Dipples Academy, which <laughs> that whole area is like a huge play on Hogwarts. Um, you got swine, which is pig, hog, and then, you know, dimples. Some not not exactly warts, but, you know, they had to put something in there. Um, but, yeah, Swine Dimples Academy was this academy. And you had to wear you had to wear the um, you had to dress like the kids of the academy at the point. Yeah. And. There was a whole plot line involving ghosts, so it had the whole magical stuff going on there. Um, That's funny. That's actually very, also very Japanese, though, to have like the school uniform that you have to wear. Mm -hmm. Everyone's wearing the same uniform. Oh yes, personas. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that, but yeah. Yankus isn't even here to gripe about persona. <laughs> no, nope. we'll put in a. Yankus gripes about Persona. There we go. Add note. <laughs> um, All Trades Abbey had a great one because the uh, guy in charge of All Trade Abbey's is this one is the Jack of All Trades. Um, and then there was the nun. Yeah. So around. when he's when he's corrupted, no, when when the Jack of All Trades is corrupted by the fig, he eats the fig or he consumes it somehow, and. Uh, uh, he turns into the master of none. So mm -hmm. he's also he's he's the jack of all trades, the master of none. <laughs> that was Fantastic. that was quite great. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest what what have we said called this before? The pun landmine that didn't hit till years later was the town of Zier Rocks. Um, early in the game, you're at this town called Zier. It's Z E R E, and you hear that a master sculptor has left the town at some point and. You know, much later in the game, maybe just 10, 15 hours later, you encounter a complete copy of the town of Zir. And it's made out of rock because the master sculptor went there. And even though he left the town, he wanted to or was expelled from the town or cast out or something like that. He literally carved an exact copy. And you know what? When you're just playing it and not saying it out loud, you're like, OK, so the town made of rock got it but i never spoke it out loud until somebody pointed it out and it's yeah z-e-r-e -E, yet zir and xerox <laughs> xerox machine that uh copied that town just for you yeah, and it's it's in black and white because it's all stone yep <laughs> <laughs> um you know you've got uh, i mean there's so many different abilities and so I mean, we can't go through them all but one was the uh Metalicker, Metallica, like Metallica. Yeah, is a boomerang metal attack ability. Um, gosh, I, I want to say like all of the different. Maybe that's Dragon Quest Eight. That all the different levels of learning vocations are just incredible puns. There, I mean, again, this game is over the top. If you thought any other Dragon Quest game had puns, this one like took it completely over the top. You got the town of Coffinwell. That, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the whole point there is that there's a disease going around and you have to make it well again. And uh, there's the quarantine. <laughs> everyone, everyone's coughing and, and coughed yep. in. Coughing. And, you know, it, what we've all uh, experienced in the past year, there's a the place you have to go to find the cure or whatever is in the quarantine, which, you know, quarantine, quarantine. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, you've got, what is it, the doctor in the town, Dr. Fleming, but it's spelled like Flem, Flem. Yeah, yeah. GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. Um, got got to give a... Oh, there's ahead. also the Just Desert, Just Desserts. <laughs> oh, Just Desserts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could probably turn to the skill page in the strategy guide here and just read all night long all the puns that are in here. 
Um, but what couple more here? The uh, when you have the main inn that you keep going back to all the time. The Questers Rest. Yeah, the Questers Rest. You have Selma, who is the sales lady, and Patty, who's running the uh, Questers Rest. And so you got Patty and Selma, just like the uh, <laughs> sisters, Marge's sisters in The Simpsons. Um, yeah. And P- Patty is very similar to Party, and Selma has Sel in her name. Very. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, it's S E L L L L M A. So she's the she's the DQVC sales lady. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, where's some people had comment on our Twitter that uh, there's a Mummy's Little Hero quest, um, and there's a guy named Nico Less who's a skeleton who's had his pants stolen. He liked that one. Um, but you know, shout out to a couple of our fans out there. And this is said with a winky face implied. Uh, Baru Cafe and Rocket Slime, thanks for uh, throwing in the screenshots and the Dragon Quest Seven puns on the what are your favorite puns in Dragon Quest Nine tweet. You know, good, good reading comprehension. Appreciate the effort. <laughs> but uh, they, they shouted out someone I'm reading. I'm like, wait a minute. That's Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> I didn't even use Roman numerals. I made it very clear. But... Uh... <laughs> But yeah, there, there's tons and tons of puns in this game. And honestly, I'd say half of them go right over my head. Um, yeah. Because the they, they come so named... fast and furious. <laughs> the bank lady is named Guinea. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there's even like the, the half the monster names are like cruel, cruel, cruel cumber or something. You know, like yeah. the, I was talking to Gratis about it last night and uh, and he was mentioning that like all yeah practically like there's a massive amount of like monster names that are just complete puns oh yeah i mean i'm looking right in it now you've got the uh alarmer it's an alarmingly (laughs) strong armor (laughs) i mean like i said i get there's the stale whale that looks like a um basically a zombie version of a whale (laughs) i mean he definitely looks like pieces are falling off of him and they must have had a lot of fun localizing all of this. Yep, you got what cumulus cumulus vex, the uh, <laughs> which is basically a reskin of the hell cloud guy. But no, there, there's just there's so many, so many. Do you mean the cumulus? I don't think it's called the hell cloud anymore. Well, no, he he wasn't. But I'm thinking back to good old Dragon <laughs> Warrior Seven. But cumulus yeah, is its own pun. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. He he wasn't. He was just Hellcloud before. Before they decided to go all punny. So yeah, I'm. There's another armor guy. He's the Harmer. <laughs> armor. <laughs> but you have to think like who's who's naming these in the universe? Like, is it the is it um like the 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 final boss who creates the monsters? The the demon lord? Is he like I shall call you Harmer? You know, is he, or is this like? <laughs> Some, some in-game adventurer who's coming up with these names because I, I think that would make a little bit more sense it doesn't make sense to me that like you know one of the main villains in dragon quest 9 is like coming up with with all these names <laughs> bad karma is another one yeah. oh yeah Man, the whole armor guys lines are just great you got mm-hmm. tree evil trevil trevil yeah Oh man, the explode, the toad, the, oh my the God. guns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The toad. I, I want to say so all of the of ones in that line are those. <laughs> yeah, he, he has like the countdown on his chest. Yes. Yeah. Tells you when he's gonna fire. <laughs> For no reason. 
Oh, oh. the trauma, the Traminator. <laughs> oh yes, that's traumatic. Was, man, that guy's yeah, hard. yeah. The tra- he's like, I must Traminate you, and he's like, you can just hear it in the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. <laughs> oh, the the uh, rock sh- rock bomb reskin. He's a grenade. Grin- grenade. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, we could do an entire episode of puns. Maybe we should. Maybe we should keep going. <laughs> All right. So, um, one of the other things I wanted to mention um, was the portability. This was the first game that was a hundred percent on a portable device. You know, you got um, remakes of Dragon Warrior one, two, and three on the Game Boy Color, and you had, as you said, Liam. By this time, we had gotten uh, Dragon Quest four and five. Um, on the DS, but this was the first mainline game that they just 100% was like, nope, we're just putting on a portable device. It's not going to be on a home console. Um, and it's the only game that has stayed 100% that way. So uh, we'll get to that later when we talk about like if there's going to be a remake and what we'd like to see. But uh, first game, 100% on a portable device. First game, or the only game they've not even touched, as far as we know, to make it on another system. So... Blue, what about your other goods? What, what else did you like? So the main, uh, I have like 400 hours on my save file. And this is my second, in the, la- the last one that I played before they shut down the online servers was uh, my second playthrough. So I have more than 400 hours in this game, probably somewhere. <laughs> uh, but a lot of that time was dedicated to playing multiplayer with my little brother. Um So it's absolutely the best multiplayer experience on the Nintendo DS. I will maintain that until the day I die. Um, (laughs) Just being able to actually run around in the same world as your friends and suck each other into battles that, you know, are probably way too high level. And there are just... I just have so many fond memories from running around in grottos with my little brother and my best friend from when we were kids. It's just the absolute it's it's my favorite part of the game <laughs> i think liam too definitely yeah yeah I mean, it, it, it's it's so great to be able to kind of go go through and, and interact and even like save each other you know you get yes you're, you're running through the grotto together and somebody is just far enough away that generates a battle without you and they can't handle it and you can just hop in and help save them or die together you know <laughs> <laughs> we died together a lot but yeah. and, you know you can even also die and then just sort of wait there as a coffin for a little while until That's one true, of your yeah. friends decides to come revive you yeah uh, <laughs> that happened very very, uh, very often as well in our in our multiplayer sessions at Nintendo New York, <laughs> I de- one of one of my fondest memories uh, was I was being chased by a killing machine in a, in a really tight hallway, and somehow I managed to be able to turn around in the hallway. But my brother was standing right there, and he watched me r- come up the hallway, turn around, and walk away. And he just was standing there like, "What the heck?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's I think right. I got have- a- I think I got away from him, but. Uh, I don't remember that part as well. <laughs> yeah, there was stealth in some in some of the grottos. You could actually like turn. Um, I forget the spell. Vanish. Yeah, vanish. vanish. And then you could you could basically vanish and 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 sneak around 
monsters, but in some of the tighter hallways, it was a little difficult to do. Or for some of like the wider monsters, like the um, I forget the name of it, but it's like the big spider monster. Um, they would be too wide for you to sneak around them, and they'd always generate the bot, the 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 battle if they tried if you tried to sneak around, or even just like hide up against a wall and wait for them to pass. And then the character who uh, generates the battle, everybody's like, "Gah, how dare yeah. you!" <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so what what else uh, what else did you have on your your list of uh, good things? So Dragon Quest Nine was the first game that actually introduced side quests, as far as I know, because uh, at least in Dragon Quest Eight they didn't have them. <laughs> mm. uh, but just having all of these little side adventures to go on, and even some of some of the post game side quests actually introduce a lot of the lore of the world into uh, to the player um but just having those fun side little adventures to go on some of them are fetch quests but some of them are actual uh you know battle mechanic tests it where you know kill x monster with poison kill y monster with a hit doing one damage from a poison needle um and a lot of people probably get annoyed by some of those side quests but i think it's cool to test your understanding of the battle mechanics and number tracking like hey how much damage have i done to this monster is he almost dead yet can i not can i feasibly do one damage and kill him at this point yeah, yeah. i, I and, love, oh, go ahead um, i was gonna say yeah and you know i know people were annoyed with how difficult some of those are but at some point you gotta realize they're side quests um you know if you're hardcore and you want to do them all then expect them not to be all cakewalks and if you don't want to do them all, that's fine. That They're not part of the game. Um, I got, uh, going back to puns, I was looking at how many side quests are in the game. And uh, number, uh, there's 184 in the guide. And uh, the last one must have to do with sheep because it's called Bleats Me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Um, so yeah, some of those uh, some of those side quests, those, particularly the, the DLC ones, um, they were, they actually unlocked parts of the map that you weren't able to get to previously. Um, once you, uh, w there's a specific side quest w where you get access to flight, basically, and you can, uh, you can fly around to specific, uh, um, parts of, like, the, the mountainous areas, even Slime Hill, um, which is, I guess, just a hill with a cave on it that has, like, a tons of, ton of slimes in it. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's certain, there's certain parts that you couldn't get to before, um, that you now can with the, with the Starflight Express, which is really cool, uh, mechanic. I definitely remember being a little bit floored by the fact that flight was locked until post game, uh, coming off of Dragon Quest eight. And I think I had played Dragon Quest four before nine came out where, you know, flight was essential to continue the story at one point just having it as a post-game thing was a little bit strange to me but just with the amount of post-game content that dragon quest 9 has it you know makes sense mechanically mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of a little a little reward for finishing it and definitely want to echo what blue said love side quests i love side quests <laughs> the podcast I... and the mechanic <laughs> but no i mean a lot of the it's something that you see a lot in jrpgs these days i mean you get games that are like uh, what is it, Xenoblade Chronicles, the Definitive Edition. I get games like built around side quests, 
hundred hours of side quests and uh, stuff. But no, I, I enjoy doing them in games. Uh, I don't always do all of them. That is definitely not something completionist wise, but um, it, it's they're they're fun to do. And sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, no, I've been at the same place. I think we were talking about this in the Nino Cooney two side quest. Um, that I was doing every side quest in that game for quite a while. <laughs> and then I got to like the second to last town and I realized every time I'd been completing a town, new side quests open in every town that I'd been in. And I was like, okay, I can't just keep doing these. <laughs> I can't go back to like six towns now and clear out another three or four side quests in all of six towns. So at some point I just had to stop. But I mean, in Dragon Quest nine, I 184. I'm, I know I did probably close to about 140, 150 of them. I ended up doing all of the side quests in in BQ9. Um, I've also done all of them. There's some that I wouldn't redo because they were a little bit frustrating. <laughs> like particularly ones where you had to like uh, you had to wait for a very specific monster to spawn on the map, and then once you start the battle, it might not even be that monster. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, some of those things I, that just kind of frustrated me a little bit, and I spent like hours and hours trying to find this one monster until I lucked out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I thought a lot of the quests were really fun and extended the gameplay. Um, so the, the Grottom system and the legacy bots maps helped to extend the game content exponentially and, um, glitched special maps result in the drive for many players to max level to 99, even revocate back down to level one, uh, up to 10 times per class. And there's actual... There's an actual reason for doing stuff like that because you generate, it gives you a better chance at generating um, higher level grotto maps the more times you've revocated. You guys want to know a secret? I never sure. actually did very many of the legacy boss maps in Dragon Quest Nine. Oh, uh, really? I nope. I never. I I don't know. I had way more fun running around the dungeons where you could get treasure. Uh, I do believe that I was on my fourth revocation as a minstrel or something along those lines. I never had a glitched special map, um, but I have one that has Platinum King Jewels at the bottom, and I just run around that as level one and hope I don't die, really. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, as soon as I'm back in New York, I'm mailing you a cart with all the maps on it, and you can you can have it out on <laughs> I still um, have the file. I'm planning on going back to it at some point, but like I'm planning on going back to a lot of things at this point. So who who knows what kind of timetable that's going to be? <laughs> um, so, so some of the stories actually in this evoke a great deal of emotion and are lasting and memorable. Um, they're legit. They some of them legitimately made me sad to play through. But there's so much game to play. You just keep going. Like uh, the ones that made me sad were like. Uh, Marion Marionette, the story in Bloomingdale. Um, mm -hmm. The Coffinwell plot comes to mind. Did, any, did anyone else get those kind of sad vibes playing through some of these stories? Yeah, um, I, I'll say I, I don't know if it. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's any sadder than other games because I mean, like I, I immediately think of Dragon Quest Seven when I think of this game in terms of you know how much story is packed into each town and how you know each town's almost like this little three to five hour story that is involved in all the rest because i mean you've got the foul rod foul rush yeah story yeah. in dragon quest 7 that's like heartbreaking mm -hmm. and um what is it the town where everybody's turned to stone. stone and they've worn away and there's no you can't save them right um, right so but no i mean I, I completely get what you get there are definitely legitimately like holy crap, like, you, you just gotta solve what you can, and you're not gonna fix right. everything and that's I, going wrong in this town. And I feel like 
there's some of that in 11 too, but then they're like, Hey, let's mm -hmm. fix it with time travel. If you want to keep playing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but in this alert. one, it is, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, no, I mean, you can keep, uh, I guess it was. Okay. Uh, moving on. We'll let it that out. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the, the versatility of this game, what you can do with it between in-game, um, like the quests and special guest sharing, the canvas tagging, the multiplayer, in addition to the RNG manipulation, uh, hoi me tables, chess timers, alka miracle prediction, and shop manipulation, uh, item sharing and shop rating tricks. All of this makes it the most versatile Dragon Quest game I think we've ever seen officially released in the West um, in terms of what you can do and how you can manipulate it. I, I did play with the chest timer like yeah. twice. I didn't do it much. I didn't do much at all. You, you both hearing Blue say 400 hours in this game. And I know, um, Liam, you've got at least that much. Um, yeah, between multiplayer, between yeah. the multiple multiplayer sessions, I think we've got about uh, uh, I've got about 2000 on, on my main cart alone. Uh, and see, <laughs> I, I played this game two and a half times. Um, when it came out, it was in the middle of my like two and a half year absence from the den that um, I took back in gosh, 2008 through 2011 um, and just didn't play video games much for almost about three years. And but I got uh, I I remember getting this like getting the call from GameStop like your game's in. I was like, oh, crap, I, for I forgot I pre-ordered that. And went and I played it through to about forty hours. I want to say I got to uh, uh, what's the Evil Empire, the Giddish Empire, Hammer, the Giddish, the Giddish Empire. There's, yeah. a, there's a pun right there. Yeah, um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got to the Giddish Empire and then just was like, nah, I haven't been playing video games much. Set it aside. But I've since then beat it twice all the way through. So I don't have that many hours definitely in it as you guys. But um, I, I did a couple times after I met with Liam about six years ago. I came back and probably sunk another 20 30 hours into it the rest of that summer mainly just running grottos and playing around with uh all the little tricks that he shared and stuff but I i've definitely not spent very much time in that but i know it's all there that's awesome that it is yeah i, I mean it, definitely oh, sorry go ahead, abused, yeah i definitely abused the the chest timers for uh getting all of the rare one percent equipment five not five star four star stuff uh because that's yeah. that's that's a lot of grinding on its own. <laughs> oh, definitely, especially for things like uh, what was the dangerous bustier? Yes, the, there, there was there was a quest for that one, and that, uh, for the life of me, I could not get the dangerous bustier. And then when you get it, you have to alchemize it three times, and then like bring it back to the dangerous bustier before you do the quest. Otherwise, you have to get another one. Because um, then you're then you're you know if you're trying to hundred percent yeah um, you know what i'm saying like you'd have to get because the the to finish the quest you have to give it up um, the divine and... the divine bustier is actually really good armor so i usually uh keep an extra copy of that but definitely if you <laughs> don't want to grind for a second one yeah which is hilarious because isn't it just like underpants or something <laughs> it's like you know that's a conversation <laughs> for another time uh but it does give you evasion chance which okay, can be good. very very helpful yes <laughs> um yeah and the should the the shop rating and item sharing tricks basically you can just stand next to one next to someone give them a bunch of items which takes it out of your inventory then the non-star shareable stuff um just give them uh, a whole bunch of items and then 
shut your game off and restart it without saving, and now you have all your items and they have your items. Um, there's little things like that is just stuff I learned from other players playing in the multiplayer. The shop right. rating tricks. So I do. The shop... I, I do remember that. Hmm. Um, for I, shop I rating, don't the sharing. Oh, we cool. didn't. We didn't. We didn't do. We didn't get to do any of that. <laughs> um, for for shop rating, uh, so the the items deplete in your DQVC. Um, so mm -hmm. if somebody goes into your game and then goes to your DQVC shop, they can they can basically just get all your items. Um, but then if you, again, if you shut your game off, it kicks them out of your world and you can restart your world and, and the shop items are back. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we used to do a lot of that stuff, particularly I have one save file that has, uh, half priced agate of evolution, um, ingredients in it from mm -hmm. the new, the new year's sale from probably like 2012. <laughs> and I've kept that, uh, that save file untouched ever since and um i think actually rpg wizard actually um i think he used the hoimi table to like help me to um to manipulate that so that it would that it would show up with those items specifically in the new year's sale because you weren't guaranteed going to get what you wanted in the sale it was just kind of a random um like a plethora of items from that particular week mm -hmm. uh, but it was cool to have those little uh, those little tricks like that to kind of game the system. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about what could go into a remake, but I think some of that type of stuff is probably going to get lost. Um, mm -hmm. But so that's, well, that's about things that <laughs> I was going to say, things that won't get lost is uh, some of the other good stuff. I love all those vocations. I, mm. I, I love games with vocations. Yes. Dragon quest eight is awesome. I love having a set party of people that I can do, um, stuff with and same thing with dragon quest 11 but i also really love games with job class systems um dragon quest 7 i love that i love going through all the monster classes um with gabo and all of you know all the different classes and being champion and whatever um coming up next month is bravely default 2 coming out and i love the bravely default games and just grinding for jp job points and having those <laughs> ability to change jobs and, you know, speaking of Bravely Default and Dragon Quest here, um, I love in Bravely Default, every time you change j jobs, you get a new outfit to wear. And Dragon Quest Seven, well, they didn't do that, or Dragon Quest Seven did that too, Dragon later on in the 3DS remake, but Dragon Quest Nine finally had the first real dress-up in the Dragon Quest games. I mean, you had some alternate outfits in Dragon Quest Eight on ps2 but it for wasn't one character sorry for two characters but mostly yeah. for one character <laughs> yeah jessica and hero right that was it yep yep nobody wanted to see yangus dress up uh guess not uh, they did in the 3ds right he got some pirate outfit he did or get no, that some was... pirate right. outfit he looks yeah. dashing in it mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean in dragon quest 9 you equip something on your leg and your leg changes you know the greaves or the helmet, or the whatever. Um, it, it was all pretty awesome, and <clears throat> I, I thought it was it was great, except when it backfired. Because um, as Liam brought up the uh, <laughs> the very the, the pun of the DQVC, um, if you ever sat around in your youth and watched uh, daytime television and flipped through the channels and found the QVC, and by now, but the DQVC was a virtual store that you could buy stuff from in dragon quest nine and they were all it, it rotated every week you'd get new stuff and i remember one time pumpkin heads were for sale and they were helmets and i was early on in the game i think it was my second playthrough and i was like 
oh, wow, this is way early. Like, I, my defense might be jumping up by 20. And in a Dragon Quest game, a gain That's of 20 defense. That's a <laughs> lot, especially for a helmet. You know, helmets are like plus 7, plus 9, plus 8. You know, and suddenly I'm like at plus 20. I was like, cool. And I got three of them. But then I had to look for like the next 10 to 15 hours at all my characters walking around with freaking pumpkin heads. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> nothing else was better <laughs> nothing else was better i was like gosh do i want to <laughs> sacrifice i mean at some point it came down to like okay i can get helmets which are like three to four defense less than this i'm gonna do it just because i'm yeah. sick and tired of running around with um all these pumpkin head people so uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean one one minor bad part of that but i don't i love the i love the dress up i love being able to change the appearance of characters yeah characters Character customization, customization was a really fun part about uh, Dragon Quest IX, and just you know being able to have your hero look however you want was really cool. Yeah, except in the beginning when you're just like too early on and you just look like a, an eight year old who who made his own Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> you, got the, you got the scale armor and like the the brown leather hat, or, like bandana. the wooden, yeah, the bandana. <laughs> And uh, talking about dress up and eight year olds, uh, my last favorite thing about the game was the Seth Green commercials because Dragon Quest Nine actually had like legit commercials here in the United States, and they had Seth Green. And <laughs> where was the one where he showed up for the date? Or he was trying to convince the guy what to dress up for the date? And, like it's the what is it? The fur he convinces him to wear or something like that. It was. It, we'll link both the Seth Green commercials in the show notes, but. There were two different Seth Green commercials, and one of them hit on the being able to change your class, and I think the other one really hit hard the uh, dress-up features of the do game. We actually, do we know if he's a fan, or was that just a... Obviously, it was a gig for him to, to do, you know, to be hired into mm -hmm. a commercial, but, like... Does he does he play? Uh, does he play Dragon Quest at all? Do we know? Does anybody know that? Last time he was over, we didn't get around to it. But the last, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the last time we had him on, <laughs> we, yeah, oh, we forgot to thing, ask him that. The one thing we forgot to ask him, right? <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, we'll reach out to him on Twitter and ask him. <laughs> yeah, we there was some celebrity presence for this game. I remember some of like the launch events or something they had. Uh, they, I, I remember seeing images of like Jim Parsons, uh, the actor, like holding with some Dragon Quest stuff behind him, Dragon Quest Nine. Um, a couple of other like minor celebrities that I don't recognize um, that people post like, but they're obviously like professional actors or in the music industry or something. Um, but this game got a lot of hype. I mean, they they had they had Yuji Hori at the launch event, um, and uh, I'd like to talk about that in a little bit more detail with uh, RPG Wizard um, when we have him on a future podcast. But he actually went to that event, and uh, Yuji Hori was there. Uh, at Nintendo World at the time, Nintendo New York now, um, he was signing, uh, he he agreed to sign the first 30 copies, which is hilarious because like he could have he could have signed as many copies as he wanted, but he did like 30, which is the amount of unique characters you would have at the end. <laughs> so if you were like guy wow, 31, that's interesting. if you were like the 31st guy online, you you, you got screwed. But <laughs> but uh, but it was cool because RPG Wizard was within uh, he was within that um, range of 30. And I think he got uh, he got like a photo taken with them with uh, Yuji Hori at Nintendo New York. Um, so I, I, uh, I want to have him on at some point to uh, 
uh, to talk about that experience as well. But like I said before, I'm in. Um, I was playing Dragon Quest V at the time, so I was like, ah, you know what? I'll, I I yeah, I ended up skipping all the launch events so I could finish up five, <laughs> which is in retrospect a bad move. But thankfully, um, some point around like October uh, 2011, I I kind of got I got myself to just walk from work, you know, 15 minutes or so to, uh, um, to Nintendo world so that I could meet up with other players. And, and that's how I, um, how I really got into dragon quest nine. Um, so, all right, we've hit all the good. What's the bad, the bad, who wants to start with the bad, <laughs> you know, what? I'll start. Cause I, <laughs> as they asked me before the game, like, uh, aren't you going to put any bads in there? I was like, uh, oh, yeah. And I guess there's probably something wrong, but I think you two are going <laughs> to <laughs> looking ahead to what you guys know, what you guys are going to talk about. You're going to hit on everything. Um, at, and I know this, I might be stealing somebody's thunder with this a little bit, but I, I always found it awkward. The other three characters um, in the game that you could recruit and bring with you, because I mean, they're complete blank slate, complete nothings. Mm. Um, and even like when you, go back up to the uh, uh, the observatory at parts later in the game. They're not there with you. And then you oh, go yeah, back down right. and yeah. you go back down and they're there next to you. It's like, what, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> they are not Celestrian. They're not allowed in the observatory. <laughs> Correct. So, I mean, they're like saving the world with you and helping things out one by one. But they are completely like, dude, wait here. I got to go. Yeah, gotta right. Stuff up with God for a while. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you think they're thinking when they just see you just like zoom up to the they're just standing there on the protector like uh you guys want to go back to the questers rest then yeah let's get a beer let's get a beer he's doing some god stuff <laughs> they do all so. the work with none of the recognition yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so i mean maybe not so much bad as just like kind of like awkward from a story point like what 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 the hell like i don't know at least in dragon quest 3 you, you hear about the hero and his companions and all this stuff but dragon quest yeah. 9 is like you're literally just extras right i feel like they haven't really gotten the personality system down yet though like they, they've got it in 3 and in the monsters series sort of they just have it as a defined kind of character trait that affects how your stats grow but it doesn't actually affect like party chat and and that's something that I think uh, the series would benefit from is like you take these blank slate characters, give them some kind of personality, you know, and, and just have. But then when you do that, it, it expands the amount of localization that's going to be necessary. So it's kind oh, of a complex, kind of a complex not even just localization, but just, you know, work for Japan. You know, it, yeah. if you were to make 30 different personalities, you'd have to have each reaction 30 times throughout the yeah, game. Yeah, and different. Yeah, and then you'd have to translate all of that. So yeah, yep. it's it's a big problem. Uh, but you know, it would it would make a uh, a significant improvement to the blank slate characters we had at least some some kind of reaction instead of you know three protagonists from a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I definitely missed having actual companions traveling around with you in this game. Uh, just you know, being able to actually see them have character growth is it, it's one of the cool things that i really liked about dragon quest 8 and in dragon quest 9 it's just absolutely nothing uh so it is a it is a bummer and i i do think it would be cool if they could have some reaction but i also agree that holy cow that's a lot of text <laughs> 
And, you know, uh, you hear a lot about the plot in this game. Well, I think it's all right. Uh, many of the fan base seem to comment that they didn't enjoy the overall story. Um, I thought it was a typical Paradise Lost story. It's very biblical with the fallen angel, main villain representing Satan, and the figs as the forbidden fruit that once con- consumed our, you know, corrupting humans and creatures. Uh, I didn't think this was such a bad thing, but according to many of the comments on the plot that I've read over the years, um, I know a lot of Dragon Quest fans, particularly in the West, found this kind of un- uninspiring or perhaps too derivative. Which is funny because what was that? Um, it wasn't. Was it you that I fooled with the Dragon Quest Ten plot summary in our group probably. chat that one day? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. No, I think it was on an actual podcast. I was like, "Wow, that sounds awesome." Oh, I think I typed <laughs> it in as a summary for yeah, but like I, it was. You're right. I had mentioned that like, oh, you know, here's the plot for Dragon Quest Ten, and basically I took like the plot of all Dragon Quests. Like, you're a young person. Eventually, you grow up and you leave your town and find com- companions. You go town by town, saving, you know, fixing their problems as you work to save the world from right. a disaster caused by a demon lord or something yeah. like that. It was a little more detailed than that, but it was definitely like, it was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to play that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, you know, I, I find it funny that, you know, this. Sure, the plot of this isn't great, but is the plot of any Dragon Quest game like so nuanced and so amazingly great that this one stands out as completely uninspiring? I don't think so. Like, uh, no, I definitely, I, I, mean, I definitely. I thought this was fine. It fits in with all other Dragon Quest plots. Yeah, and just the relationship between the hero and the other Celestrians, and you know, trying to solve the mystery of hey, what the heck is going on here, mm-hmm. and you know, learning about you know, the Giddish Empire and everything that sort of ties together at the end. It it definitely has enough layers, in my opinion, that it, it's, a, it's a good story. Yeah, I, I thought the story's just fine. All right. So I put that on the bad list just because I know that is a, uh, a pain point um, for for some fans. But yeah, I guess I'll, I'll completely really agree with that. you, though. I've, I've seen that multiple times, like, ah, you know, who... You don't need to worry about nine. It's it's on the old DS, and you know the plot's kind of eh, whatever. You could you could rush through it in thirty or forty hours. Well, blah, blah, blah. I I would also I would also cite that a lot of and and I'll I'll mention this a little bit later, but a lot of people haven't been able to take advantage of a lot of the content of this game, and that affects their mm-hmm. enjoyment of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's another a comment for for later on. But. Uh, uh, Oh, actually, no, it's for right now, because that's my next point. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the West, uh, not everyone in the West, in fact, most who lived outside of cities or centra- with centralized populations, was able to take advantage of multiplayer and canvas tagging. Uh, this combined with the DLC locked content that was later left unsupported um, means that the portion of the game was left inaccessible natively to many players. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this at one point. I, I know I've made this point before. That Dragon Quest Nine was, and it was probably in my two episodes I did, um, Liam, over the summer without you getting ready for your baby. But I think I made it in both talking with Austin, talking with Austin, that Dragon Quest Nine definitely feels like a prototype for Dragon Quest Ten. Um, it, it feels very much kind of like it could be an MMO, mm-hmm. and the fact that there is all this stuff locked behind um, content, the online content. And there is a lot of multiplayer stuff and canvassing. It was almost meant to be played with a lot of people. It was meant to be this kind of half single player, half MMO. 
And yeah, I mean, for the people in the West, I mean, I, I couldn't probably draw a circle around my house for 20 miles and find another Dragon Quest fan easily enough that would uh, that's there, let alone anywhere that we could tag or find and get together and play. So, yeah, it, it's it's a step towards MMO-ish and you take away the ability for most people to do that because it had to be in person. Um, and with the DLC and all the stuff that has disappeared uh, with Nintendo no longer supporting the DS online, then yeah, you, you've definitely neutered the game a little bit. Yeah. And I, I remember too, the cam, the, the, you'd put it in um, canvas mode to kind of tag with each other. Um, I had it in my pocket. I'd be walking around within months after release, uh, walking around New York City, wouldn't get a single tag. But as soon as I went to Nintendo New York within, again, months after release, you'd get one or two people, um, sometimes three, and then you have to clear them out and make room for more, depending on how many people were were showing up for the multiplayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was fortunate on the multiplayer side to have two friends who played the game. Uh, But one of the features with canvassing is as you get more guests to join and start appearing in the Quester's Rest, the Quester's Rest actually expands. And at that point, you know, there are special VIP guests, which are characters from old games who will give you more things as you expand the Quester's Rest. So in order to maximum to get to the maximum expansion level of the Quester's Rest, you need to have 30 people canvassed, which in the West just is not, not really feasible. Um, and, you know, since, since we had a party of three, we, there were a couple of friends who I tried really hard to, uh, enlist in the series. And so I was hoping, I I was hoping to give them a copy for their birthday, but before I gave them this used copy, I shamelessly played through the opening events 28 times in order to canvas (laughs) the extra guests on our respective copies. Uh, so I killed Hexagoon a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a similar story, but I didn't do that personally. Um, RPG Wizard uh, used to get to Nintendo World uh, probably about an hour before I did, when it, before I got off work. So he would take the in-store copy and he would play through, uh, you know, once a week on, on Tag Mode Tuesday, he would play through the... <laughs> Uh, I think he used to speed run it in about an hour and 15 minutes um, to get to, to get to the questers rest um, to uh, uh, unlock an extra tag because it's uh, for, for anyone who showed up. And and for me in particular, because I was late, I missed all the launch events. I didn't get 30 until um, I don't know, probably about right, probably around November uh, 2011. Um, but yeah, a lot of that was like on a weekly basis. He would just be going in and doing that weekly every every time um, for people to have w- at least one new tag. Wow, uh, that's a, that's a lot of playthroughs. <laughs> and see, I never had a second copy of this game. I probably would have done that because uh, going back to Dragon Warrior Seven, um, where you could get the townspeople and trade them for the immigrant town, mm-hmm. but you could only trade them if you had their save file on a memory card in your ps1 and holy cow i started a new game and played through 30 or 40 hours to get to that part where you could do immigrant town stuff and i made sure i recruited like one or two of every type of person along the way and then i just duplicated that save file like 10 times on my card and just could trade and i could do all the different final versions of uh 
towns in Dragon Warrior Seven. That was a that was a pain in the butt. Oh, I don't remember trading through save files with that game. Oh yeah, I, I mean that was that was tough because you'd recruit like you'd go find a random nun who would join your town, and you'd go find you know a random merchant and this and that. So. There were all those different final versions of towns, like the casino, if you had enough of thugs in it, or you could have the holy town if you had enough priests and nuns. And the only way to do that would be to trade. I mean, unless you spent endless hours kicking people out of your town and then only recruiting specific ones, the way I did it a whole lot easier was I just had an extra save file that had like a couple nuns and a couple thugs and a couple tough guys or a couple merchants, a couple farmers, because that was another one, a farm mm-hmm. town. And so you then could, I you could trade the same guy back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can't um, do that. That's do the that thing. They didn't. Yeah, like it, it wasn't as sophisticated as at least with Dragon Quest Nine. And since you could have multiple save files and on the memory stick on the memory card you could make different save files like yeah i mean it would be like hey i'd pull it up and like on one i was platy and the other one i was like they just named him like tom but i had like 10 different ones on my memory card all named tom because i just (laughs) duplicated that save and i just had to really like i had i remember having like a piece of paper like okay first tom i have traded people out of there so delete that one later and like tom 10 never got touched I never touched Tom 10. <laughs> so if I needed I like a bunch of farmers, I would duplicate Tom 10 and get two farmers from each one of my other Tom 10s. <laughs> yeah, I have like Link and Zelda and Ganondorf in my Quester's Rest. It's a good time. It's a party. Nice. They all are wearing, you know, the what we talked about earlier, like the leather armor and the bandana. They're all super stylish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember what you had your character say so that when people tag and then you go talk to them and it has a little like you you put some custom text in there? Yeah, so my character I think I think I had the accolade set to Sagittarian, which is the level 10 bow accolade. I don't remember what I said set for the greeting. Oh, okay. It might have I... it might have been something silly like let's go kill some stuff or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think I went dark with mine. I was like, "Pardon while I mo- while I wipe the monster blood from my blade," <laughs> because here you have this like little chibi character <laughs> who looks like a child who's just saying something really vicious. <laughs> um, so, fine for final uh, uh, bad uh, for the final bad, uh, Blue Star. You you had one other thing you wanted to mention about uh, alchemy. Yeah. I guess it's it's appropriate. We kick off the goods with alchemy and we end the bads with alchemy. Uh, <laughs> so as far as alchemy goes in Dragon Quest IX, there are a lot of recipes that require a lot of very hard-to-get materials. And you, I've, I've said it before, I love collecting materials. But then you have these alchemy re- recipes that have a chance to fail <laughs> and not yep. give you the one that you want. Yeah, uh, And so just... Just as far as asking a little bit too much, I think they might have gone over the over the hump or over the over the hump crossing the line there uh, with just how much time it takes to get the items that you actually want. Because I, I think it was like a one percent chance for it to so transform yeah, the alchemy, into the, the good miracles. 
I think yes. I, I thought it was something like ten percent, but I, I could be wrong. But still, even that ten percent sounds better. Yeah, ten percent. <laughs> I think one percent was like so, some of the rare drops from some of the yeah. Grotto bosses were like one to two percent or something like that, which is also ridiculous. But uh, but that's why we have you know the Hoimi tables to try and yeah. predict when they're gonna drop some of that stuff. Or um, uh, you know, for for the Alka Miracles, you could use that as well. Uh, the Hoimi tables could predict when an alchemical miracle is going to drop. And I think I did that for the vast majority because, yeah, Agate of Evolution farming is a pain in the ass. And I, I talked about the shop, having uh, doing the shop manipulation um, so that you could get those materials because otherwise it's a pain. You're not going to 100% this game. You're going to probably burn out um, before that happens. Um, so, yeah, I get that alchemy. Uh, alchemy is both a, a blessing and a curse in this game. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I never went as far as you two down that alchemy hole. Because, I yeah. mean, there wasn't, I, I never did so much post game stuff like that. But I didn't yeah. get very far into the alchemy hole either. I saw that there and I was like, eh, let's, let's go work on the other recipes first. <laughs> well, I, I, I yeah. think I. I had to, I made it a point to 100% because we, we had so many guys in the multiplayer that were just kind of, we had this little, you know, bragging contest going, oh, I got these stats and I got these and I, you know, and, and it, at a certain point, you, you want to keep up. <laughs> so you would go for that 100% monster, 100%, you know, quest completion and all that. <laughs> The the one of course person that I never caught up with was uh, RPG Wizard who had he done vo uh, revocations ten times for every single class. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I got to ninety nine on every class and like one revocation on Sage and like four on Minstrel. But yikes. Yeah, I think I did the ten times for Gladiator and Paladin, and that was it. Or maybe Priest, but uh, but yeah. I revocated once. <laughs> yeah. We're proud with one character. Proud of you, Claddy. Yeah. I, I was just happy when I showed up to that uh, tag mode Tuesday with Liam one time, and they were like, "Hey, let's run this. Uh, let, let's run this legacy boss." And I was like, "They're like, so who do you got?" And I was like, "Uh, I, I did have like level ninety nine paladin, so, and I think it might have been revocated. I can't remember at that point, but probably. You know what? It wasn't because I didn't have any of those really um, great maps. So, nope. I just had a good old level ninety nine paladin." Everybody else is playing with their like, oh, we've rotated, we've rotated ten times, and that's what I remember. <laughs> All right, we've talked about the good, the bad. Let's talk about the ugly in this game. Um, I don't have much, but I would say that the unsupported DLC uh, locked content. Um, now, this isn't specifically DLC, but it's actual content on the cart that is locked until a ping from a specific server setup is met. Um, I would say that this. Quite, uh, this would probably be one of the only rare uglies within this game. Um, a few years ago, a fan server was developed to mimic the real server. Uh, if you research it, you can find the details about it online. It just requires a WEP connection. Um, search GameFAQs Dragon Quest IX fan server, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, I believe, the, uh, according to Gratis, uh, we were talking about this last night, the original owner of the server uh, goes under the screen name Baron Waffles. Uh, and he hosts the fan server. It has a GitHub repository for it. Um, and special thanks to Gratis for helping me to verify the host of that fan server. Um, there are other means to hack it using a save file ripping tool, such as the save editor or action replay. Um, I do not recommend AR just because of the various bugs and issues that can wreak havoc on your save file. Uh, I remember seeing various panic posts on GameFAQs um, 
even around the first couple of years, but even uh, within the past year, uh, I've seen people um, just panic because they glitched up their save file somehow um, and couldn't fix it, for, forcing them to restart from scratch. Uh, so again, use AR with caution. Um, if you if you are absolutely sure it's a clean code, um, if you're confident about it, then you know by all means. But otherwise, uh, I would stick with another method. Uh, the NDS Adapter Plus uh, does not have supported drivers and requires a very specific Windows 7 32-bit setup uh, or um, logging in with unsigned drivers on a 64-bit computer. Uh, the NDS Adapter Plus is the only reason I still keep my old Windows 7 laptop lying around. If you uh, have have done the mail and tag with me in the past, um, that's the method that I've used to, to unlock it to make sure it's safe. Um, I've also heard we have uh, uh, folks have had some success with the R4 dongle if you're able to find that one. So yeah, and, and definitely uh, there's a lot of ugly surrounding the unsupported DLC because to get access to this game, it's it's a lot. You have to MacGyver a lot of, uh, to, to, to figure it out. Um, and thankfully, we've got that fan server to kind of mirror the DQVC downloads, which is great. Um, but even that, you have to do unsecured WP access to either your router or your phone. Um, so uh, do that with caution. Again, like uh, put it on for a little bit and then shut it off immediately uh, just to prevent any any security issues. Yeah, other than that, I, I had a hard time coming up with the bad. So I, I've got no ugly. <laughs> Three pumpkin head characters. That's pretty damn ugly, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> At least after the first hour, it's like, please, yeah. come on. Can, can well, I one of the things, this freaking helmet. <laughs> this isn't exactly ugly, but some, it, it, uh, it, it's worth mentioning that sometimes um, you could tell which characters were, which NPCs were important because of their resolution. Yes. Do you remember that? Uh -huh. So, like, some, some of the, the uglier. NPCs, important NPCs had actual 3D models, and everybody else was a two-dimensional right. person living in a three-dimensional world <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly um yeah so you'd always just look for the low-res guys and like oh, i don't need to talk to you that, that much oh <laughs> uh, all right so kind of get to the end of our dragon quest 9 talk here and this is something that i know gets endlessly debated among the fans um what do we want to see when this gets remade because i am a hundred percent certain this is going to be remade. Oh, definitely. No, yeah, it's, it's got to happen. Every game in the series is out there on multiple devices, mobile, remakes, second remakes, third remakes. Maybe nothing's been remade three times. I don't know. But new consoles, 3D from 2D. I mean, even Dragon Quest Eleven. you've got Dragon Quest Eleven S that's come out like on multiple systems now over the past two years, like... I don't I can't wait till next year when they're like, hey, we're going to have Dragon Quest 11 S on your phone or something like that. Cause, yeah, oh my right. God, that seems like the only main stuff we're getting for a few years here. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's the only game in the Dragon Quest series that's still stuck on its original console with nothing ever done to it. So I, I know it'll happen at some point. Will it be Switch? Will it be Switch 2? Who the hell knows? A um, couple things I would love to see happen to it. I would love it to come out with like Dragon Quest 8 or Dragon Quest 11 level graphics. I want to see the cell shaded 
non-sprite based graphics i want i want it to be upgraded that nicely that would um, be amazing yeah, yeah. and uh, and really oh go ahead i was gonna say particularly like i'd love to see them do the dragon quest 8 style i think they did such an amazing job with making that look like an, an anime world mm-hmm. uh and just all the, the sprites and, and stuff and dragon quest 11 is 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 great but i i liked the kind of cartoonish feel of DQ8, um, and would and would like to see it kind of go that that route, and and even just the maps where you could get lost because you, the the camera angle is like down lower, and you're just you're almost seeing it almost like a person. Uh, it was a third person view, but almost like a first person. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely, uh, I mean, definitely with you on that. I know you guys are gonna have your other stuff too, but uh, pretty much the other thing that just comes to mind is. Uh, that that balance, and we talked about this earlier, between having three blank slates that kind of just do nothing except for fighting your party. Um, later on in the game, in Dragon Quest Nine, in the post game, you can get some of the NPCs to join you, um, like Patty, right? Yes. Um, Patty, Selma, Aaron. Or, yep, Aaron. Yep. Um, Another good pun. She runs the inn. Aaron. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can you get Selma? I think it's. I think you can. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I remember her costume. Oh, it is her her outfit. Uh, her quest. I had glanced past it. it. Was like Selma sells out or something like that. <laughs> and it's the one that she gets. Oh, quest one thirty nine has Selma sold out. The reward for completion: Selma joins your party. Nice. So, I mean, I think it'd be cool that if they had that option early on. I mean, it doesn't have to be those specific characters, but um, mm-hmm. that. I don't know, maybe if you want to do the blank slates, great, but there maybe they have just three people that are pre-made that if you don't care about the hair or the whatever, like you could take these three pre-made people that have names and have personalities with you. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna go the other way, great, go that way. But I, I would yeah. love to have those. Or at least some of these other people that could join you sooner, because by the time you've done that, you've already you're at like yeah, eighty like... and thirty different classes and blah 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 yeah, blah relocated, yeah. blah blah blah. And then yeah, there's no way they're catching party up. members are level one. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you're you're like up in your, uh, you know, 60s levels mm-hmm. and you have to like. Um, but it, 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 I liked in uh, in Dragon Quest four, you could hire and in, in certain chapters, you could hire um, mm-hmm. NPCs. They'll you pay them and they, they come join join with you. I think. The ones that are the most memorable is in Chapter 3. They had Laurel and Hardy in Talon's yeah, chapter. In the, in the DS version, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like stuff like that. And I think they I think they introduced that into Dragon Quest Ten as well, if I'm not mistaken. You could hire, oh, yeah. you can hire NPCs. That's how I beat that. version 1. <laughs> nice. So maybe something like that would be would be an interesting addition um, into just like if you really want to spend money, you can you can hire additional NPCs and they'll have their own personalities or something. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to see, Liam? Um, I I guess I just want them to preserve the positive bugs because I know that you know so some of the bugs in in the maps in this game uh, are associated with the DS hardware and how it interprets the software. So um, like the all. Metal King Slime special maps, like that's really specific to the DS hardware. So obviously, if there's, um, you know, a Switch version or anything with online multiplayer version DQ9, uh, that's probably not going to transfer, um, that unless they specifically build it in. Um, they'll also need to tighten up some of the predictability, like seed farming, chest timers, alchemical timers. I I suspect it'll be harder to game the system if they do a remake. Um, if and uh, I, I kind of almost hope that it it is harder uh, because if you're playing in an MMO world, you don't want people like 
you, you don't you don't want people just like going in and, and cheating their way to you know being top player kind of thing it just it kind of ruins the fun um but uh yeah it's a, it, it is a downside for completionists because it also means it'll be sig significantly harder to 100 percent all the monsters weapons items and alchemy uh but I hope that the DQVC and all that stuff is, is accessible and not cut off after a couple of years. Lou, how about you? Well, with Claddy talking earlier about running around with pumpkin heads, <laughs> I think a really good quality of life uh, upgrade that they could add in was an appearance setting so that you could equip some items to your appearance and others for your stats. Um, they have this kind of set of system in Dragon Quest of the Stars. so. It's yes. definitely possible, and it definitely works very well. That's they right, have this yeah. in uh, Dragon Quest Heroes too. Yes, didn't they? Do. Didn't they also put it in the definitive edition? Did they put it in the yes, definitive edition of they Eleven? Did. They did only in 3D mode, but yes, correct. Mm. Oh, I so that it so annoys me that it's not in 2D mode because <laughs> I'm someone who re rarely replays games. I need like a remake, like from Dragon Warrior One, like. 13 years later to Dragon Warrior 1 on the GBA or GBC. I need that length of time or at least Dragon Quest 8, like eight years or gosh, it was probably 10 years before the 3DS version came out. Like I needed that time. So when I got the definitive edition, I went straight into the sprites. I'm like, I got to play it sprite based. And mm -hmm. God, seeing that hero's hair, I'm like, oh, my God, I can never I can never get rid of this <laughs> until I find the answer that. <laughs> Till I get to that armor, <laughs> but um, no, I I would love that. Yeah, and um, I want to say Dragon Quest Builders Two had this as well. Yes, yes. Yes. So I mean, they've done it. They, they it seems like something that they've uh, more recently realized is a good looking thing. I mean, there's other video game series out there that sell hundreds of dollars of DLC just to change your appearance. So it, it's a known thing. Yeah. Please don't do that, Dragon Quest Nine. <laughs> um i one of the things i think they'll change too is i bet they renamed the luminary class in the dq9 remake to something else because uh dragon quest 11 sort of redefined luminary as the spirit of the legendary hero however in dq9 it's more like kind of like a, i guess a, a j-pop idol you know <laughs> a pop star they've got dance-based attacks and special dance coup de gras all of which tend to generate laughter when someone randomly enables them in in the multiplayer <laughs> what yeah. was that called in dragon quest 7 because they've had that class for a while was it luminary i think it was well in in six it was dancer i think uh dancer oh, yeah. dancer is a prerequisite for luminary in dragon quest 6 i don't know what it is in dragon quest 7 but the equivalent of that class in dragon quest of the stars is a superstar so I can uh, see them. I can yeah. see them renaming Luminary to Superstar if yep. there yeah. is a remake. Superstar was the original Dragon Quest VI uh, translation as well, for fan translation with Superstars. I remember. I think it might be that in Dragon Quest Seven on the 3DS. That sounds yeah. familiar too. Which is which is hilarious because this, you know this is very much Japanese culture cultural oh, yeah. thing to have like a. Uh, you know, a boy band or or you know, J-pop <laughs> idol bands like as characters in in a medieval fantasy setting, and they just break out. Like they even have luminary costumes, which are like a white tuxedo and a white top hat. Yeah. <laughs> or you can play Tokyo Mirage Sessions and have a, an entire J-pop idol game with Fire Emblem medieval people right behind you the whole time as your personas. <laughs> <laughs> Flip that whole thing around. Yeah. Well, 
All right. Well, I think we've come to our last tiny segment. Now, Blue Star, have you listened to any of our uh, main Slime Time episodes? I have not. Oh, boy. Uh, we've got you're to in for it now. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know, we're back to high school here. We were, we were talking off air when Liam was gone. And, like, thank God we're not in high school and don't have to wake up, at, you know, to go to class at 7.15 in the morning. But we're going to put you back in maybe, like, the middle school, high school mode. Um, oh did you ever play like Mary Fuck Kill, or do you know that game? That I know the game, but I don't think I ever actually played it. Okay, all right. Until well, now, until now, <laughs> because we have a very DQ version of it called Mary Thwack Puff Puff. We're going to give you three characters um, from Dragon Quest Nine. Oh Liam, boy. I hope you've got them queued up on your phone. I um, do. We, we have specifically not put them in the show notes here, so. You're going in completely blind to this. You get to awesome. pick. You get to pick one character to marry, one to thwack, and it's always vague here whether you're getting a puff puff or giving a puff puff to the last person. <laughs> yeah, we usually just leave it open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation. Do you okay. want a puff puff? Do you want to give a puff puff? But you're gonna have three people: one to marry, one to thwack, one to puff puff around with. Go ahead. I think Liam. yeah. For just for example, I think uh, on one episode, uh, didn't Dwayne um, give a puff puff to Horse Medea, <laughs> or was it, or or maybe Dog Moonbrook? It was like <laughs> it was one of those. He's like, oh, I'm gonna puff puff that horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Dwayne definitely uh, went there. <laughs> All right, so uh, so here's what we were thinking for DQ Nine style Marithwack puff puff. All right, so your choices are Dr. Fleming, Fat Guts, who's the uh, the um, one the driver of the uh, Starflight Express, and Akila. Yeah, the conductor. And uh, Akila. So Dr. Fleming, Fat Guts, and Akila. Oh, gosh. This will see. That, see, now I'm like you. put on the stop, put on, <laughs> put on the spot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have no memory of Dr. Fleming other than the name. <laughs> I don't either, so that's okay. He's, he's the guy mourning his wife in Coffinwell. Or he's trying to find the cure, and then she and then she passes away before he can find the cure. So I don't he's know if that what he looks like. Ah, he looks like a doctor in a brown robe or something. He's did got he get glasses, the... I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Did, did he get the 3D sprite? He did. I think he, yeah, I think he did. <laughs> well, uh, no, knowing uh, that context, I feel a little bad. <laughs> his, his wife is gone. <laughs> So you're going to thwack him? You're going to thwack him, send him to meet his wife? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) We've stumped you. Great. I'd have to say Mary Fat Guts, although I know him as Sterling. Thwack Dr. Fleming and Puff Puff Aquila. You would thwack Dr. Fleming, send him to to, to his wife? That's Yeah, actually, that is is a better thought than the ones that I'd had, so I'll I'll go with that. (laughs) What did you have? I'd rather not say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Awesome. All right, we'll leave that up to interpretation. Um, now, Platy, I think we have a note on here about Quest of the Stars. Is there anything you wanted to discuss about? It's very. I, I remember when I played it for you know that one week, long time ago, <laughs> land far, far away. Um, it, it reminded me of Dragon Quest Nine immediately. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the character models, the dress up, the I, maybe it was that more than anything else, but yeah, I got it's, that vibe. It's definitely it's a high slates. res. 
Yeah, the blank slate, right? It's a it's a much higher res version of DQ9. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of shows you what what can be done uh, with with an upgrade or with a, uh, a remake. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's just on mobile. See, seeing the first uh, ads for Dragon Quest of the Stars, I was so excited because it's like, oh my gosh, it's Dragon Quest Nine on the internet on our phones, and like I'll be able to play Dragon Quest Nine with my brother again. And now it's not it's not exactly the same, but it is multiplayer. Uh, and there is a lot of character customization that goes into it, so it's it's a lot of fun, and it definitely has the Dragon Quest nostalgia with the style and the the equipment and all of that. Yeah, yeah, I love the uh, I love the nostalgia factor for this game. Um, not so much the plot. I do tend to skip through a lot of what the uh, uh, I forget what the squirrel. Oh, Cyril, Cyril the squirrel. Cyril the squirrel. Oh yeah, he's 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 a piece of shit. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but uh the story the story gets better as it goes it unfortunately only is good in like five minute increments between all of the like i think it's like 160 story quests that there are in the first season that just wrapped up so oh my nice have they done a, a dq9 event at all they have not so no. actually the game is in maintenance right now as we speak and when it comes back up dragon quest 7 part 2 is going to drop Oh wow! So they're in- th- yeah, they're still in Dragon Quest Seven. So Dragon Quest Eight, uh, I mean, go- Eight comes after Seven. Uh, that's theoretically <laughs> coming next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at that point, Japan did something weird because they actually skipped Dragon Quest Nine and went straight to Dragon Quest Eleven to coincide with the release of that game out in out, out in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we aren't really sure what they're going to do with Global, if they're going to do the same order of events or if they'll actually remember how to count. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because I feel like it's been a long time since they even did the uh, uh, Dragon Quest Six. Yes. Um, that was Dragon- about six months ago, right? Yes, Dragon Quest Six was at the end of the summer. So yeah. it's it's been a while. And Dragon Quest Seven, I want to say it was the, the part one was at the beginning of November. Or something along those lines, but there's there's just been a lot of other filler events going on in the meantime, and you know there was a big Christmas campaign and a New Year's campaign and mm-hmm. all of that, but they're back on it for right now. Okay, alrighty. Well, if we've uh, moved away from Dragon Quest Nine, then it's time to wrap up this episode of Slime Time. Thank you, Blue Star, for joining us to talk about that game tonight. Thanks so much, Blue Star. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> You might have noticed that the only time we ever mention Patreon on our podcast is when we say we don't use Patreon. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the game series we know and love so much. If you do have any money you would like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den and click on support the site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for over 20 years and would appreciate any and all donations. Or you can use his various Amazon affiliate links to make purchases. Um, Dragon Quest 11s and pretty much anything else that you can still buy new on Amazon. He's got an affiliate link for it. And if you're an advertiser and you're looking for a great podcast to spend lots of ad revenue on, reach out to us at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us on Twitter at platym 3 or at RealmaCelestrian or hit hit up, up, bleh, hit up both of us simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. 
consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining DQ forums still around. You can always find it at the main page of the den or at www.wudis.com slash forums. I'm still always posting there, keeping people up to date on different translation things. I see over at GBA Temp, we got a couple different translation efforts going on currently. Um, we've got somebody working on the third Torneco Taloon game, uh, the Mystery was Dungeon, that the, so that's pretty cool. Is that the GBA or the PS2 version? The GBA version he's working on. Oh, gotcha. Cool. So consider joining us or on the Dragon's Den unofficial official Discord. <laughs> We'd like to thank everyone that made this podcast possible tonight like brian aka woodis for his support of the series and this podcast and keeping the dragon's den lights on for decades now and thanks to amanda lapree and the descends of verdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast descends of verdrick is a video game tribute band from austin texas check them out in their most recent album advent at www.descendantsofverdrick.com or on twitter at dia verdrick and check out amanda lapree on uh, streaming on twitch as always our thanks to Dwayne bullock our wonderful graphic artist, Dragon Quest fan, for making this awesome artwork cover for the podcast. Dwayne was on the original iteration of the Slime Time podcast eight, nine years ago, and he's been on tons of our episodes since. You can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or his website at uh, DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. Um, and thanks once again, Blue Star, for joining us. Uh, Blue Star is a regular of our, our side quest podcast. Um, so check out all of uh, her episodes of, uh, of Slime Time Side Quest. And if you're looking for more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Bye, everyone. Dragon Quest Slime Time, sliming off. Slime Time.